1: Welcome to, episode 7, of, The Story Studio, with your hosts, Luke Condor, and, Daniel Wilcox, oh yeah, here we go, check it out now.
2: Story Studio, a podcast for an independent publishing company for explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. It's a show for filmmakers, writers, comic, make, ugh, comic book makers, crowd funders, <laughs> entrepreneurs, creators, and anyone looking to tell stories in the modern world. My name is Luke Condor, and I'm joined by Daniel Wilcox and... Matthew Stott. Hey. Sorry, Dan. Well, um... I, I kind of joined... I jumped on your speaking bit there, Dan. No, you were on a roll. It was fine. I felt like you needed that after... <laughs>
1: I think that's the first time you've broken during that first part. You've broken a perfect, perfect record.
2: Yeah, sorry, but I'm going to overdub it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. I'll have to give it a go one time and see how well I do. I don't think I'll do very well. So, how's the uh, writing going, guys? All going well? Uh, After you, Matt.
0: Um, yeah, kind of. I think so. I'm <laughs> yeah. being very undisciplined at the moment, though. I'm not getting enough done, basically. But, yeah.
2: What do you, uh, when, when I you work- am, it's going all right. Cool. What are you working on at the minute?
0: Um... I've got this uh, mini series called Apocalypse Hill mm. and uh, I've got part two just about to come out and I'm trying to finish the thing off so I can go on to something new. <laughs> uh-huh, <that's laughs> i kind of been working on the same thing for so long now. So yeah, I'm ready to move on, hopefully,
1: eventually. Yeah. Awesome. We'll jump, we'll jump back into that, yeah, in a, in a little bit. But Sorry, I'm, t- I'm taking you over, Luke. No, it's cool, it's cool <laughs> man.
2: Yeah. What about you, Dan? What are you working on? Uh so
1: I am coming up to the final part of um our book Lazarus, so I'm kind of in the same place that that Matt is because I'm getting to the point where i'm so like, oh, I'm so ready just to have a fresh story starting because my favorite yeah. part of any, any book is the first bit and getting stuck yeah. in, and my word counts at the beginning are sort of nothing to to what they are now but yeah that that's it's it's going well it's, it, it's uh I'm on fifty fifty eight k now I think so Let's
2: get in there. How about you, Luke? Yeah, that's too bad. I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not on 58K. <laughs> I, I've managed not to just, line. Yeah, I think I'm on 51 or something now. But yeah, it's cool. I've just moved into a new house. It's nice to not have to write on a bedroom floor or have <laughs> to go to a cafe or something. You're suffering for your art. Yeah, I've, uh, I've got a little spot in the kitchen. I like to be right next to the coffee machine. So I could just have a constant flow of coffee... Oh, that's dangerous. I, I need it, man. I need it in the morning, <laughs> especially. Yeah, um, I've noticed you both are now cracking on with Steam it, which is mm. uh, I think it's a pretty interesting little thing. Uh, have you? I know Dan's had some crazy success with it the past couple of days. Has it? I, I, how's I don't you know going? Yeah, it's random. How have you found it, Matt?
0: Um, well, I've I've only been on it like maybe two days, and I haven't really explored it properly yet. I don't even I don't really quite understand even what it is at the moment. Yeah. Other than there seems to be lots of random bits of writing. I don't know how you, how do you work it? How do you get anyone <laughs> to look at this stuff? Or is it just by, by chance that someone stumbles across something? And yes, I don't know. <laughs> Luke, I've made Luke's... about three cents, I think at the moment of it. Nice. Which I don't know if that's, I don't yeah. think that's great.
2: <laughs> it's not bad for a start. I yeah. think Luke's Sorry, definitely got
1: much more of an insight than than. I
2: have honestly, it's. I don't feel like it's about quality on Steam. It (laughs) not at all. Like it's, it's literally just. I think quality helps. I I feel like it's a game of a game of cards, right? And you just constantly play. The more you play, the better chance you get, and the better you get, the the better you understand the games. The better you understand how to write, like you two guys obviously do, the more chance you have of striking it and just getting. Lucky with one of those whale accounts, and now if you get a whale to upvote your post, then you you'll have like Dan had like two hundred, three hundred dollars or something. Three hundred and
1: ninety dollars it settled on, and I that was a post that I literally threw together at lunchtime and went, "Oh, let's see if that works." And then the next minute I checked, and it had nearly four hundred dollars on it. So I can't, I can't explain it. I tried to do it the following day, and it didn't happen. So <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it just I, w- I was looking at some of what you two have put up and it it does seem kind of almost random where you'll see one post and you'll have made hundreds and then the you put one up the next day and it made nothing yeah. at all. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of a random
2: yeah. I thought I was doing alright. I had a bit of a streak of like it was like 30 between thirty and 40 dollars like four or five days in a row and I thought oh, I cracked it. Mm. Finally got that like consistent but the past three posts I've had nothing. So Yeah. See I am um... I, I th- a lot of time
1: of day, I think, has a fair bit to do with it, but it's also opportunity and who's online. And I should probably, while I've got you, Matt, I should probably um, thank you for your... My review of your book has earned me $20, so if you do want to take any uh, percentage of that, because that is that is your art, then, by all means. I did upvote that. I stole that. <laughs> so- <laughs> thank, okay. thank you very much. <laughs> I think it was $20 on that one.
2: Yeah, I think it wasn't that, yeah. So so today we're going to be talking about like writing horror stories and scary stories and and I guess strange stories. Uh, But before all that, we need to crack on with the big whoops. What a big whoop. So, um, who's got a big whoop?
1: Uh, shall I take the first one? Yeah, go for it, man. Okay, my big whoop is, um, I was kind of torn between two, but I'll I'll settle with one and use the other one next week. Um, Is, are you guys familiar with George Watsky? No. No. So, George Watsky was a a poet who came out of San Francisco, some university in San Francisco, and he was a a kind of spoken word poet that went around and traveled colleges and and schools and universities in America Um, and ended up coming onto YouTube about, must be five, six years ago, and started rapping. And he's just, he was one of the nerdiest white guys you've ever seen. Um, And he's kind of risen to a weird, like, hip-hop, success and has come out with some fantastic tunes, sort of travels America and England and I've seen him live a couple of times and his new album came out this week. Um last week. I I downloaded it this week and it's called uh Times Infinity or X Infinity, however you want to do it. But it's just um a, a CD full of just fantastic word plays, just some brilliant lyrics, some great music and uh definitely sort of some of the best more commercial stuff, but some of the best stuff that I've heard him do, um, and and yeah, he's
2: just doing really really well with it. So is it along the lines of like Scroobius Pip, like a spoken word guy doing rap?
1: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit more um, hip hop than than Pip, but yeah, it's it's honestly really worth giving a listen.
2: Cool. Yeah, man. I weirdly I've been listening. To, I don't really listen to rap music much, but um, my friend at work, my colleague, has been putting on the Eminem album. The oh. uh, Marshall Mavis 2. Yes, it's really good. Like I'm not like a rap person, but it's just honestly like really well, just really, just really great spoken word.
1: It's yeah, Eminem's definitely because I'm I'm a massive fan of just the wordplay that he uses. But he's definitely kind of with that album taking a whole new style. Whereas before it would be sort of like an AA rhyme structure, sort of one line rhyme, one line rhyme. It's a lot more flowy. It's a lot more literary and and. I don't know. It's, it's, it's different, but it just works.
2: Yeah. It's good. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. So my big whip this week is a TV show called The Night of. Have you heard about it? Do you know much about it? No. Okay. Heard of it? Some sort of murder thing? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a gritty, it's based on a BBC show. So HBO have taken some BBC show called Criminal Justice. I've never heard of it. No idea what it is, but it's like a really, Complex, gritty story about, um, it's a conservative Muslim who goes on a night out with this girl, gets drunk, takes some drugs, has, has some, has a bit of the old sex, and then, Mm. um, passes out. And then he wakes up and the girl's been, the girl's been murdered. (laughs) So obviously he he panics, panics and runs away. This is all in like the first episode. That's the Um, last thing you want
1: from a bit of sex.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he runs away. And then, um, he gets arrested. He's got the murder weapon on him for some reason. And, um, they instantly, they fast, like, they instantly think it's him. They fast track him, don't do, um, the due diligence, whatever it's called, to, to process the guy. Um, it's all about how he gets chucked into this prison system. And there's like one lawyer who, John Turturro, who's one of my favorite actors. He's like incredible. Um, he's like this lawyer who, who's got eczema. Weirdly enough. Um, <laughs> but he's like, while this conservative Muslim is, is basically becoming a criminal ba- because he's in that environment and he has to sort of change, become really violent to survive amongst that, th- th- those people. John Totoro is basically becoming like the, d- the detective role and he's finding out who actually did the crime. And it's, you know, it's really, really good. It's, um, really tense. Some of the prison scenes are pretty tense. So, some some of like the the first episode is pretty immense when he's when he's trying not to get caught and you know it's not him or you suppose it's not him but um, yeah it's really good I definitely recommend it
0: sounds really psychological
2: it is yeah definitely is does it like make you
0: off thing or is it a, like a one off mini series or is it it's
2: that... a eight episode series I suppose they could do a second season but I kind of feel like you'd be missing the point of the So it's it's quite well self-contained within itself.
0: Not with the same suspect waking up again. That's what I (laughs) thought.
2: It's like like (laughs) the hangover. Like the hangover. He goes out and he wakes up next to a dead person every time. I need to stop having bits of sex. (laughs) What about you, Matt?
0: Okay. uh, Well, there's two things I've enjoyed recently. One, Stranger Things. Everyone's probably seen that. I won't go into that. Uh, Yeah. Fantastic show. The the other one's uh, a book. Have you heard of um, Paul... I don't know how you say it, Paul Tremblay or Tremblay? Something like that. The name rings a bell. He did a book called um, A Headful of Ghosts, I think it was called. And he's just had a new one called Disappearance at Devil's Rock, which is kind of a spooky... Someone goes missing and is there something a little bit satanic somehow in the mix? And it's a really good... I don't usually get that unnerved by books particularly, but this one kind of put me a little bit on the edge. And I even woke up in the middle of the night at one point and it played on my mind a little bit, which is a bit odd. And oh, wow. um, Yeah, I think it's a re- if you want a, quite a cool, it's not all blood and guts and gore or anything. It's just, it's just a weird atmosphere that kind of gets under your skin a bit. So I'd recommend that. Yeah. Is it similar to, have
1: you read um, Johnny Truant's House of Leaves? No. No, well, that... I thought you were Johnny Beecher right in there for a second. <laughs> no, no, but interestingly, that is where he gets his pen name from. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of one of those books where it's not so much that a lot of gory stuff or a lot of um, horrible stuff happens. It's just that kind of twisted mm. thing that really gets under your skin. But I'll have to get a read. That sounds interesting. I'll have to check out
0: that though. I thought like I didn't. I've heard of that book, and I for some reason thought it was some. Literary
2: kind I, of. I was under the impression it was as well. Yeah. Is it? Is it it's, not? It's kind of experimental.
1: So, if I remember rightly, because it was a few years ago that I read it, it's so basically the house that this family move into and this guy move into is a quarter of an inch bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And the story, the book itself, is told through. It's not very much bigger. <laughs> I know it's. um the story is told through like journal recollections through the guy's narrative through sort of loads of different sources. The actual book itself looks like a collection of documents. Um, And it tells a story of a doorway in a basement that leads to a room. And the next time he goes down there, there's rooms off of that. And then this massive sort of labyrinth extends under his house. Um, And he kind of eventually it's that big that he gets lost in it. And yeah, it's one of those that really, just gets onto your skin and it I remember reading it and just going, Oh, like <laughs>
0: that does sound quite cool. I'll have to check that out, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, Matt, how, I think I first heard about you because I think we published our first novels around the same time. And we were we were hanging around on the K in like a newbie group thing. Does that sound about right?
0: That is correct, yeah.
2: <laughs> cool. How did you When did you first start writing, first of all? Like, when did you first start writing prose?
0: Prose, I mean, I wrote it a little bit when I was like a kid, when I was a teenager, maybe a little bit, but I went very quickly into scripts, kind of, and kind of forgot about books. It wasn't really until I started writing A Monstrous Place, which is my first one I put out, I kind of went back to prose. So that was only, maybe I started writing it two years ago, 18 months ago? No, t- probably two years ago. So it hasn't really been that long. So I'm probably not that good <laughs> at this point. I, I, I think really,
1: can't argue I'm, that. I've read Apocalypse Hill.
0: Oh, well, thank you. But yeah, <laughs> I've kind of been concentrating on scripts for like so long and it's, just, it's still quite a new, fresh thing to me trying to do prose. So um, yeah, hopefully I'll get better. but we'll see i think
1: that's one of the things about being an indie author isn't it you you're constantly working on your craft anyway so
0: yeah i've always heard the thing um put write your first book and kind of put it in a drawer and don't let anyone see it but i i published mine so i published mine as well
2: (laughs) yeah this this
1: is what i've done with um a clockwork grows i'm kind of on that fence of do i just
0: (laughs) pop it in a drawer or do i actually publish it but we'll see Eh. Publish it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's the worst that can happen? It's okay. Yeah.
2: Uh, I could die. That is true. <laughs> I uh, I quite like that in this like that in this in the awful world we can publish those books and we can see a progression of our skills mm-hmm. and maybe maybe get some fans along the way. I mean, I yeah. I, I, sorry, I don't but, think it's
0: shameful to like have a an early work out there that's not. Fully realized in some way. I think it's better to see that kind of progression. The same with if you're in a band, you you put out your first few demos or albums or whatever, and you see you you see yourself develop rather than wow, that's he was amazing from the off. Yeah,
1: that's actually a really interesting point because I think you know coming from a history of traditional publishing being the major player when it comes to books, you don't you don't kind of have that feel, do you? I mean, people musicians want to get published of major labels or did before you know building their own audience was a possibility but if musicians can do it why can't authors
2: yeah also you don't get that feedback on the first book if you just don't do anything with it whereas Mm. if you put it if you go through the process of getting it edited um packaging it up and putting it out there and getting those reviews you it's very difficult to know where you actually stand in the real world if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: I mean, with, I mean, mine, I suppose, my very first one was kind of quite short as well. I didn't like diving on a 120,000-word epic. So the worst that could happen is that it, it would be a bit crap, but it probably wouldn't be too boring for people because it would be over so quick. And I would learn that <laughs> the next thing. So, yeah, I think it's worth putting anything out. Unless it's genuinely terrible and you, you know it is, it's worth putting yep. it out.
2: It's funny, I like so on, I'm, I'm on Steam it, I'm literally just publishing my old short stories, and now I read those back, I'm like, I probably wouldn't publish this like, <laughs> as a, on Kindle now, but I'm kind of glad to see that I, I can recognise that it's not as good as it needs to be, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. How long have you been writing scripts for, Matt?
0: I guess I started writing scripts when I was about 13 or something like that, so it's... Wow. It's kind it's a long time now, um, but I kind of I went through a whole we different phases of what I wanted to write. So it started off with I would I would be obsessed with like the X Files or whatever, and I was like, oh, I'll write the X Files, and then it got into films, and I thought I could be a film writer and director, and then that quickly was like, no, I will never do that. <laughs> That's not going to happen, and then it went into comedy scripts. So it's kind of gone all the way across the gamut of different types of things and for different mediums and nowadays apart from the books I try to write comedy scripts, that's where I'm at at the moment, sitcom scripts I guess Where does your
1: heart lie? Is it more in the scripts or is it more in the prose? Um,
0: it's at the moment if I'm honest it's probably the books if only because it's entirely me, it's not uh, scripts are like especially for a film or for TV, they're more like a blueprint for something and it. About a million other people get involved and they make something out of it, which can yeah. be good. Whereas books, it's just like, it's just for better or worse, I did all of it and there you go. <laughs> That's mm. what it is. Um, and if it's all on me and it's all my voice, I guess. Because even with my scripts, in my comedy scripts, I write those with another person as well. So even then, it, so it's even less me, I guess. So, that's yeah. isabel
1: isn't it i forget her
2: second name
0: yeah isabel Fay. she's a she's a performer as well as a writer and we write try to write funny scripts
2: together <laughs> yeah. I, I so i spent a lot before i started writing prose properly i was writing films as well and um the reason i now hate writing screenplays to a certain degree is because nothing really ever happens like or the majority of time it will nothing will ever come of it and you'll end up with like a big folder of scripts that it's really difficult to get people to read because scripts aren't fun to read. No. Whereas a, whereas a book is like something you can put out there and, and get people reading.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was another reason for wanting to do deciding I'm going to write books and I'm going to do them on my own. is because you just either don't get read or you get rejected at some point along the line. And then the scripts just, they're kind of this. I mean, they're there, but no one's seeing them. They don't get made. They're just on my laptop or printed out or something. And it's like, I mean, that was another reason for going indie with the books. It was like, I'll just bypass that altogether. I'll just finish it and stick it out. And for better or worse, it's out there and someone will see it and someone will read it. It won't just be kind of gathering digital dust on my laptop.
1: Yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to ask was, how how is life as an indie for Matt? start? How, how have you found, you know, the indie process? And I know that you market your books quite heavily and you do well. And it's always over on sort of my feed, so... How are you finding being an indie?
0: Um, well, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's cool. I kind of like the slightly punk rock aspect of it, I guess, of just doing it. So um, I love it as
2: well. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I'm a very unorganized person is my <laughs> issue <laughs> with the whole indie thing because you have to be a bit of a businessman. You've got to put your businessman hat on, and I'm kind of terrible at all that, so I kind of – flail about a little bit with that aspect of it. I try to put little processes in, in kind of place. And then I immediately abandon them after a week or so. And it was like, oh yeah, I was supposed to try and get some sort of promotion together. And I have not done any of that. I'll tweet about it instead to the same people who've seen it a million times. <laughs> uh, so that is the learning thing, really, um, trying to get better at that. Um, but I'm enjoying it. Um, I haven't, you know, I haven't had a huge hit or made lots of money, but I'm not really thinking of it in those terms, certainly not the next few years anyway, I don't think. Purely just getting better and trying to build a bit of a tribe behind me, I guess. That's
1: definitely one of the most more important parts, isn't it? Going in with that attitude of it is going to be a slow process. It's not going to be that, you know, if you traditionally publish, it's not always going to happen, but you're more likely to sort of strike gold. Whereas being in indie, it's increments.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're going into it just, I mean, it's a terrible thing to go into if you just want to make money because it's kind of unlikely. (laughs) And if you do, it might take you a long, long time. So it's not a money-making exercise by any means Mm. unless you're willing to put in the long, long kind of, like Sterling and Stone, I was going over about Johnny and all those guys, about always thinking long-term rather than going for the quick book kind of thing because that kind of thing can be pretty ephemeral, I think. Mm. You just want to, build your fan base as much as you can. And that's really something that I think you can do better in indie than you possibly can if you're traditionally published just because you don't think about it probably because you're not trying to push your stuff.
2: Yeah, I can't imagine a traditional author would think about it at all. I mean, I'm sure there are people who do.
0: I mean, there's people like Neil Gaiman, obviously, who do have that big tribe behind them. Yeah. Um, But... I think you just kind of lay it on your publisher, don't you? Probably, if you're traditional, I would imagine. you they have teams awesome. for it, don't they? Yeah. the same if you have an agent. If you're a scriptwriter and you have an agent, you think, oh, they will get me work. And that doesn't, that's not how it works. You kind of still have to push yourself out there yourself. And then they just handle the business kind of thing. So that's a good thing about being indie, I think. Having, having that more... If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Direct contact with these people who are trying to read your stuff and trying to build that kind of relationship. It makes it more enjoyable, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I think some of uh, my favorite, one of the reasons I like the other stories, Dan, is some of the nice emails we get from people who 100% yeah kind of makes it worth the hassle sometimes
1: they come out of nowhere and it's so uplifting yeah. as
0: well yeah, yeah yeah anytime I get an email uh, it's always a surprise at this point still mm. it's always really nice yeah no well no one's been nasty yet anyway it's always yeah. been a really nice thing and it's like oh wow someone, someone is paying attention to some degree this is this is nice <laughs> yeah.
1: it, gives you, it gives you a bit of a boost doesn't it
2: yeah so your first book was uh, a monstrous place. Came out in October last year. Um, is that the first novel you re- did? You write short stories first, or did you go straight into that? No, nope, I went <laughs> yeah I went straight into
0: doing. I mean, it's not. It's only I think thirty thirty two thousand words because it's kind of aimed at younger kids, basically. I kind of looked at um, some of the shorter works that Neil Gaiman did for kids, like the Graveyard Book and Coraline, yeah. and I just googled how many words are in those and that was how many words I went for Um, so it's not a massively long thing Um, but I'm kind of proud of it I think
2: (laughs) where did the idea come from
0: Um, the first idea came from which is this is a bit odd but I I watched a documentary you know David Walliams um, the little Britain guy and he writes a bunch of kids books these days he's like I guess he's supposed to be the new like Roll-Dial type figure yeah. he has the crazy front covers and stuff yeah. and I watched that and I was like I could probably do that I reckon I could have a go at that and um, what would be a crazy idea what if there's a monster who lived next door and no one believed this little boy which isn't what a monster's place is but that was the initial kind of little idea that I had and I, tr- I thought I will write a Roll-Dial type slightly funny book and then within a chapter of that that kind of fell away and it became (laughs) this other thing instead which is not particularly funny I don't think hopefully it's not that funny anyway it's not supposed to be yeah well it's a nice
1: starting place isn't it to have that idea and that kind of model set out and then run away with an idea um when I Sins of Smoke that I brought out last October that originally I was trying to write another story and then that just came out of nowhere and I ran with it so sometimes ideas like that can strike you and it's it's good just to run away with it and let it happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of the ideas for mine mutate. So, I mean, that you've read Apocalypse Hill, the first one, Dan. I have. And you will probably not recognize this, but the initial idea was what if there, were, there was a zombie outbreak on the International Space Station, <laughs> which I thought was a good idea. The Walking Dead means <laughs> gravity. I thought that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, I'll do goes. a short story about that. There, there are there are no zombie. It's not a zombie book, and it's no. not in space. Any of it. <laughs> so that mutated quite a lot into what it finally became. No, that's really really
1: interesting because uh, yeah, I I can see now that an element of it remained because the main character's daughter is in space.
0: Yeah, Is it daughter. If I'm yeah, if I remember it right. Yeah, does, yeah, yeah. She doesn't appear in the first one. But yeah, that was basically the character that was going to be the hero of this zombies in space thing. That didn't. I actually wrote it a bit of it before going. I don't really want to write a zombie book <laughs> and abandoning it. And yeah, I was, something I'm
1: thinking that after uh,
0: after our our writing at the minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I mean, I like I like zombies, but. I kind of started thinking I need to put something a bit more fantasy in it. If I'm trying to build a brand, going into doing a zombie book after doing something more fantastical or supernatural seemed wrong. Like anyone cared or was paying attention. But that was my my thought. So I abandoned zombies for that one. Yeah, and and you've achieved
1: it. I mean, sorry, Luke. I, I know sorry, you. sorry. It's good. Uh, but no, for for those people who haven't read Apocalypse Hill, um, I personally I definitely go give it a check out because it, it 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 it's a. I want to say a horror book, but it's not entirely horror because, like you say, it's got that fantasy edge to it. And the first few chapters, especially when it's sort of introducing some of the creatures, I won't give too much away because obviously I don't want to spoil it for people. But um, it it really was gripping, and it definitely had a kind of Tolkien esque edge to it, but with that horror line to it. And it was it was a beautiful story. It's definitely definitely worth a read.
2: It's on my to read list, Um and Dan, I think you explained it to me as a sort of really dark, Alice in wonderland this sort of horrible. Tale yeah, of that. Does kind that sound of. About right?
1: Yeah, I said it's sort of Alice in Wonderland meets Lord of the Rings, meets <laughs> sort of like Stephen King's imagination.
2: Does that okay. sound out right, Matt?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you were going for? <laughs> Not entirely, but <laughs> I mean, I've never read any Tolkien, so I wouldn't know basically i haven't even seen the lord of the rings films so there's no dwarves or axes or dragons in it so
1: yeah most yeah. of it for me came in the knotted man um
0: oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. For,
1: for reasons i, I won't
2: say, but yeah okay so matt so so you've written apocalypse hill i think you finished book two right um,
0: it's, yeah, it's just about, just I think about. It next week. Yeah, okay,
2: cool. <laughs> we'll, we'll link to that then in, in the show notes. Um, what do you think was the biggest lesson you learned from writing uh, A Monstrous Place and those first three books that you then implemented in writing this book? Like, what changed in your process?
0: What changed was the, uh, I guess, the planning stages. Mm-hmm. More than anything, just the trying to get more and more in depth with the beats and the and fleshing all that kind of thing out. I mean, I, I've all I ne- I've never kind of jump into a story and just do it and see where it'll take me because that'll just mean I'll get stuck after a couple of chapters and I'll just I'll just abandon it. I've, but I've I've kind of I did vague what I called skeletons, where it was just like it wasn't even chapter by chapter; it'd just be one idea and then like a one line idea and then another line and then another line until I got to the end. And now I'm, I guess as well, because this was a bigger project than those other ones, I've been trying to kind of go chapter by chapter and like write sometimes a few hundred words on what I think might happen and trying to flesh it out as much as possible. And even doing things like playing with things, like trying to do character outlines before I start writing, which, don't work entirely for me at the moment still, because I abandon them pretty quick i don't I think it's hard to stick to that kind of thing until you actually start writing because you don't know what they're gonna do exactly. You could say this person's this one thing but then they don't end up doing that thing um <laughs> I guess that's the main that is the major thing i mean I know some people hate planning too much I think it's kind of takes away the magic or whatever they say i don't I don't buy i don't i don't um because they think you have to stick to those beats then, I think is the thing. Whereas that's just like... that's just a, It's almost like a safety net, I think, of those things now, where if you do get stuck, you, you kind of can't get stuck because you can then just glance and go, okay, I'll do that then. And you yeah, can't ever yeah. really get stuck properly. So that's what I like because I, I hate getting stuck. I hate having to stop. I just want to get through the thing and do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's that, it's that when you lose the momentum and you just feel like this is the worst... Yeah thing in the world. <laughs> but yeah, um, so- how did it change much when you were writing it from those beats like when you were writing the uh, um the hill so you had your beats did the book yeah. change as you were writing it?
0: Well, it did because it it went in even a different way after I talked about that zombies in space thing. I kind of I beat out a whole book which was an 80,000 word book which I wrote and then abandoned that after writing it. The beats process was was supposed to, it will help me in the future, but it kind of, <laughs> I'm saying I learned something. I didn't learn anything. Did I? I just got a new way to make it really difficult for myself. Um, I, yeah, I beat out a whole book and I wrote it, and then I threw that away, and it, it's twisted around so many times that the beats in the end became almost meaningless. <laughs> so... Would you I'm say that's not? Here. I'm just talking off the top of my
1: head. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it no, obviously no. did
0: not help me at all. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> Would you say that's not part of the process? Though? Because initially, the beats helped you write yeah, or get is. through that initial draft of whatever it was.
0: It is. I, I mean, I always think of. I know as soon as I finish the first draft, probably eighty percent of it's going to change because I'll rethink what actually I want it to be. So that just seems to annoyingly be a part of my process, which makes it longer I guess and means like oh you've just written a 50,000 word thing damn I'm going to get rid of 30,000 words of it now because I have to change everything again so that is not a great process but that seems to be mine so far
2: yeah I I think I don't know I, I think I've been pretty similar but we're, we're writing these books in the minute and I've got to a point where I've realized we're, we're, I've been going pretty close to the beats and then I realized that it's it can't do that anymore like it has to change pretty there's too much there's too much beats for this like story but i think that's just a less like stories are malleable like you do sort of have to like chew on them for like ages and until it starts to really look like what you want it to look like
0: yeah i mean once you get into it um it kind of sounds a bit Fairy fairy but it kind of tells you what it wants to be i guess in a way and it's like well this is the best yeah. thing you could do with this story now not what you were trying to do so you've got to kind of you kind of, you kind of know i always start getting a bit worried and i kind of wander around my kitchen and i never want to do the big change where i have to scrap everything but then after a few days it's like well this, this is what it's got to be hasn't it <laughs> you just yeah, get on yeah. with it
1: it's definitely part of the process i mean with um clockwork grows which is the first draft that I did that was phenomenally different to the second. And um, it's just one of those things I think you learn. And like Luke said, with the ones that we're going through at the minute, we've both gone through already substantial changes. And mm. I know that a few episodes ago when we first got around to starting the books, we both went, we've got full beats. This is, we know where we're going. This is, we've never been more prepared in our lives. And we're now sort of, I don't know, a week and a half away from finishing. And we're both going, we've, we've changed a hell of a lot. And that's just in that's just in the first draft alone, um so I think that's just part of part of the process to give yourself that chance to learn the story, to understand it, and to let yourself have that vomit draft so you can start the second one and know what the story is,
2: yeah, yeah, some yeah. like the story's already there, and like you're just trying to work it out by writing, <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. Uh- uh, Matt, have you ever thought about co writing? I mean you've you do screenplays, right? So would you be open to doing it in prose?
0: Um, I'd certainly give it a go. It'd be I mean it would be it would be odd, wouldn't it? I don't quite know how it well, obviously lots of people do it. you two you're you're kind of doing it, are you? You're kind of one of you is writing something and everyone's gonna polish it, is that right? You're not kind of sending chapters back and forth
2: or No, no. So well we we sort of pitched each other um, various ideas for the stories we might want yeah, yeah. to do, and then we so we swapped like we gave each other like a, a really brief yeah really brief outline, and then the other guy came up with the beats and they developed the characters and where the story would go. And now we're doing we've swapped again and we're doing each other's first drafts. And then I this is where we're at now. Like we're just finishing the first drafts and. We're not sure whether we want to go back over ourselves again, or swap now, and have the other person do some pretty heavy rewriting. I guess, yeah. To get it, even um, even with
1: co-authoring, I mean, this is the first time we've both done it, and it's even that's a learning curve, and we're we're constantly kind of going when we when we next do this part, should we do X? Should we do Y? And I think the key will be just to give it a crack and see what works. But, I mean, so far it's working for us. I know that it doesn't work for everyone. And when, before it was kind of suggested, I didn't think I would co-write. Um, but, I mean, but both, have, both have their own benefits.
2: Yeah. I've, yeah, I feel like um, it's, it's been pretty interesting. I feel like I wouldn't have been able to do this for my first book. Like, I had to get a couple of books out of the way that, that were just for my ego, in a way. And now, <laughs> yeah. and now I'm like I'm that satiated, so I'm just I just want to make a really good book now. I just really want to make good stuff, and I'm, and um and I feel like the best way to do that is is by co-writing. Um, for me at the minute, anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd certainly give it a go, but it would be it would definitely be strange to start with. Yeah. Oh, it's, it is. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not like with a, with a script. I guess you're kind of used to stuff getting changed, and it's a bit more. They're a bit more your words or whatever when it mm. comes to prose, and rather than just interior yeah. he walks in, it's like okay, you can change that. I don't, I don't care about you changing that. Yeah. So it be it would be odd, but it'd be um it'd be an interesting experience, I guess. See, yeah, I, and, I,
2: I don't mind because I know Dan's a better writer than me. <laughs> so uh, I know, if, I know yeah. if he changes something, it's going to be for the better. Says so, says
1: the one who's published his books already and is way ahead. But um, <laughs> no, I think I think part of it as well comes in opportunity because. If it hadn't have been for, you know, Hawk and Cleaver and, and the fact that we've met and we sort of have similar ways of working, I don't think I would have considered it because I know a lot of people want that relationship, um, that kind of opportunity to go off, but you don't want to just throw yourself at people. I mean, when you started working with Isabel, was that something that happened naturally or was that something that you kind of just whacked two bricks together and tried to see what happened?
0: Yeah, it it was. She was, um, I was writing on my own, just writing comedy stuff. And she appeared as an actress in a little video that me and some other writers did. And then she appeared in something else. And we just kind of crossed paths a few times. And then she just asked me to, oh, do you want to write a sketch sometime? And it's like, okay, three-page sketch, I'll do that. And then it just kind of, it's, it's enjoyable to write with someone, <laughs> I found, rather than being on my own, certainly with scripts. And it just kind of built and built until we weren't writing our stuff on our own at all. And we were just writing everything together. So we were just like, oh, I guess we're a, a writing team now. <laughs> we just went with
2: that. Do you find that it helps because cause it's comedy as well? Like, is it all comedy mostly or is it a bit of... With,
0: yeah, with Isabel, it's all, been, it's all been comedy stuff.
2: So are you able yeah. to, like, find out if something's actually funny? Because I know, like, when I've read <laughs> comedy in the past, like, there's sometimes times where you don't know if something's really funny until you put it out to someone, I guess. So are you finding that back and forth working?
0: Yeah, it is helpful because, you, yeah, as you say, you just kind of have to assume something's funny. But yeah. if, you get, if the other person says that's funny, it's like, well, at least one person thought it, was, it wasn't it was terrible. So maybe it's okay. Maybe someone else will think it's funny. So, yeah, it does help in that way. Um, and it's just a good kind of support network I suppose. If you write with someone else, you're not doing stuff on your own. Because writing's kind of a lonely thing, I guess. Mm. I mean I don't Absolutely. mind I don't mind doing it, but it is you are basically on your own most of the time. Whereas yeah. if you if you've got a partner, it's like, oh, you get to have meetings and you get to sit together <laughs> and talk about stuff. Human uh, contact. Yeah. It's a bit more social and a bit nicer and you can laugh rather than just going, Is this good? I don't know and then crying. Yeah. Well I have to
1: try and get you and Isabel on at the same time and have a bit of a, a talk about script writing and that kind of world and working together. Cause that'd be interesting as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What was the, uh, you did something with Alice Lowe and Kevin Eldon, right? Two of my, some of my favorite UK people.
0: Yeah. There was like, it was a little, it was a little non-broadcast pilot. I think it was about 10 minutes long and it was just, um, it was called missing scene and it was kind of, it was supposed to, what the hell was it? <laughs> <laughs> It was supposed to be kind of you're hopping around between old TV or genre films, so there's like, there was, like, an alien invasion thing in black and white, and it was kind of a sketch show, but not really a sketch show. It just had funny bits. Maybe that's why it didn't work, because it was kind of a sketch show, yeah. but it wasn't a sketch show, so that's why people, people went, it looks very nice. No, thank you. Is it- oh, you've got Kevin Eldon in it. Well done. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Was it like a, a sketch version of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place? Whereas oh, I that, love that show. Whereas that was like you found... You were up late at night and you, you you found a TV show and you watched the entire thing. Was yours more... You're still flicking through?
0: Yeah, it'd be like if you were going through quite a few of those kind of things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Garth Marenghi as well. I love Garth Marenghi, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm still sad he hasn't done anything else, hardly at all. He's such a small body of work.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... It's, who wrote Garth Mungu? Was it Richard Awaddy and...
0: It was, Um, I think it was mostly the... Um, what is his, I, I can't remember his name. name, yeah. Yeah, Garth. <laughs> it was him. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. wrote most of it. Um, And everyone else in it went off to do big things. And he, I don't know what happened. Well, he's around, but I, he doesn't seem to do anything.
2: Yeah, it's a shame. but. Matthew Holness and Richard Ayo. Matthew Holness, that's the one, yeah. Yes. yeah. I, I googled that. I'm not just... Oh, okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah um so we're coming towards the end of the time already um we've got like a quick fire round (laughs) okay i'm gonna put a jingle in here i'm not too sure what yet but it's gonna be it's gonna be great (laughs) quickly please
1: so no no pressure just try and give the best responses you can in the quickest time to the questions
2: (laughs) in in under five seconds is that too soon is that too quick No, go on. Okay, cool.
1: Do do you want to take it in turns, Luke? Have you got the list in
2: front of you? I've got it in front of me, so you go first and I'll go second. Okay. What's the first thing you do when you wake up? (laughs) Toilet. Last thing you do before you go to sleep? Toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Worst advice? Oh, God.
0: Being a writer is a really good idea. You'll make (laughs) loads of money. Be successful. You don't need a
2: backup. What makes a good writer? Practice and read in lots, basically. What's your favourite film? Halloween. Favourite book? Maybe Coraline. Favourite word? I don't have a favourite <laughs> word. I'm going to say, oh Christ, is your answer. Um, <laughs> Hogwarts or District 13? District
0: 13. Haribo or Stardust? Haribo.
2: Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your spirit author? Neil Gaiman. I thought you were going to say that as well. Yeah, I had a feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool, that's all I've got. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. I like that, Dan. That's a good idea. Yeah, cool. <laughs> you, you're you our test
1: pilot for quick fire questions. I did feel under pressure there. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I, don't, I don't think I'd be able to do it. If someone was like, what's your favourite word? I'd be like, uh, oligopoly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that's um, only because
1: I learned that a week ago, so that's rushing my head. But... <laughs>
2: I'd be looking around. Uh, pen, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool, yeah, man. So, have you got anything you want to plug? What, like a mailing list sign up, or or a free book, perhaps, or something. Uh,
0: if you go to my site, I guess it's Mr. Matthew. Stop, you'll find a link to get onto the mailing list, and you get, I think, you get three free books. I give everything away. It's all there. If you want <laughs> free stuff, go to my website.
2: <laughs> cool, um, Dan. Do we have a sponsor yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh kite we're in the process
1: for having okay. a sponsor for the other stories we're close okay. i think by the time this is out we might have
2: expect a sponsored listeners <laughs> yes
1: and uh also plugging as we always do the other stories but mostly because i want to throw this in as well the fact that we're currently number eight in the literature literature charts on itunes mm. So that's pretty
2: fantastic. I was thinking, why, Matt, why don't you write a guest episode of The Other Stories? Because I did bring this up, yeah. You have a very, I feel like your stories would fit quite well.
0: Um, okay. <laughs> if yes. if okay. you want me to, I can attempt it. <laughs> cool.
1: we'll, we'll, we'll talk behind the scenes. We'll give you a theme and if, you, if you're happy to do so. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Very happy. Awesome. Cool. All right. Um, leave it at that and I'll hit the stop the record button now. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the story studio
1: podcast still hungering for some podcast goodness then why not check out our other show the other stories oh and did you know every time you leave us a review in the itunes store a puppy is born cute eh anyway toodle toodlepip